Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. podcast your premier saskatchewan rough riders podcast my name is alex and i'm waiting for the other guy to jump in here and he's not here yeah we told him we were recording at a certain time and he decided not to show up well in in honor of the uh, great warren woods i don't give up about his uh, fantasy football (laughs) we are your premier saskatchewan rough riders fan podcast you can follow us on twitter at piffles pod you can follow me at real alex d Oh yeah, He's me. <laughs> See, this throws the stuff off. Like, enough of this part-time stuff, Steve. Come on. I think we're gonna have to bring him into the office and have a long conversation about his priorities. We're not. Uh, we're not bringing Steve face in, though. No, no Steve face in. But no. uh, yeah, don't follow me at Greg on Sports. I'm nowhere near a thousand, so please don't do it. Check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Piffles Podcast, and of course the website PifflesPodcast.com. This is episode 100 and nice. Or 69, whatever, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. Um, we could have called it episode 100 and Gronk, I guess, even though he's number 84 but I, or 87, but I think we all know what that means. Anyway, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. We're also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Greg, let's do this. Let's get right to the opening kickoff. <laughs> So that was a great rider game last week. Oh, well, we didn't lose. So that's always a bonus. Yeah. We're still undefeated. Four weeks in, we're undefeated still. That's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us kind of hoped and expected that, uh, especially with starting three straight games at home and, and four with the Labor Day coming up. Um, I'm still, you're looking pretty good in your uh, argument about their record with me, what, what I think the Riders record was going to be, but there's still lots of football to come come this season. I'm hoping I'm wrong. So we, <laughs> if uh, if I get right, that is not a good thing. So let's, let's fourteen and zero is still alive. Yes. Would that be the? Would that be better than the seventy-two Dolphins? I'm sure there's going to be someone that tell is going to tell me that doesn't count because it's CFL football. Yeah, and a shortened season doesn't really count, of course, right? Uh, but. Obviously, no Rotter game. They were just on their bye week. They just started practicing up here on Wednesday, getting ready for the Labor Day game. We'll take a look at that game in just a little bit. Obviously, Greg, the big story in the CFL was uh, the Edmonton Elks. Of course, last week, their game against the Argos was postponed because they had a huge COVID outbreak. 14 guys testing positive in the locker room, and they just shut it all down. Jacob Ruby, starting offensive lineman, their left guard, cut by the Elks um, basically for lying about getting vaccinated, which, Hey, if you want to get it great, if you don't want to get it great, I don't really care anymore at this point. It is what it is. And I hate that saying so much, but whatever, but getting cut by the Elks first off, before we even get to the ban that the CFL put on them, let's just stick with this. Do you think the Elks did the right thing by basically scapegoating someone? 
You knew, you know, especially considering they are approaching probably having to forfeit that game because without throwing off everyone else's schedules, I don't know how they're going to put it in unless they have a massive small window to get that game in. So I had what was going to have to roll and this seems to be the perfect one because if you're going to lie about it, I guess, but that's also on the Elks for not actually asking for documentation. Like, all right, it's like, yeah, can you bench press 350? Yeah, of course I can. Do you want me to prove it? No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> we trust you. Have we not learned in the last year and a half that you can't really trust anybody, especially the last, you know, six, seven months here? That you especially can't trust anybody. But the CFL is operating on the honor code system. Are you kidding me? The honor code. But you have to wonder how many players right now saw that and they're like, oh, crap. Craig Dickinson actually alluded to that the first uh, rider practice back this week and, and was just like, Hey, that's a real, real shot in the arm to everyone else. It's a big reality check that, Hey, if you're going to, well, especially lie about it. I think that's the biggest problem is he lied about it. Um, and then went and got a massage and whatever, and everything else that happened there. Um, that's the big issue is, is now it's like, okay, well, if I can't trust you and you're going to be the reason why all these guys don't get paid because we have to forfeit this game. And same with the Argos. Like if they can't play that game, they still don't get paid. Like something had to happen. So I, I applaud the Elks for just saying, you know what, this is the problem. Let's get rid of it. Regardless of how good he is and how important, like, I mean, you don't just cut a Canadian starting offensive lineman that doesn't happen every day. So for something like that to actually go through is, is pretty significant to me. But I, I, I applaud them for doing what I think is the right thing. It's just uh, it's a slippery, slippery slope when these things happen. But I really want to know what clown college Preston got his degree from, because apparently he went for journalism or media or something, but he has a knack of saying the wrong thing every time. Anytime you put that man in front of a microphone and have a reporter ask him a question, he says the absolute wrong thing. Going like, he inadvertently got a massage. I, I know how many times I've tripped and fallen and gotten a massage, but uh, okay. <laughs> and then, and the, the other ones got it from their wives. Yeah, that's a way to make a great locker room when you hang it on the wives. And that's a locker room that already has uh, some division in it because of cultural fits and, and whatnot. Like that whole organization right now just kind of, I don't want to say it looks like a dumpster fire because I don't think it's that bad, but there's a lot of question marks about that whole organization right now when it seems to be a huge divide from management to tiers of players. But, you know, it's, it's growing pains with an expansion franchise like this. So you got to give them a little bit of a break. <laughs> uh, how, how this, okay. The Edmonton franchise was one of the, and believe me, if you talk to their fans, they'll tell you it is one of the crowning jewels of the CFL. There's so many championships or this or that, the other thing. They have taken so many steps back since Len Rhodes was shown the door. Like, yeah, so he did a few concerts. Who cares? At least at least the franchise actually moved forward. Well, and I'm trying to figure out this whole organization just from going dating back to last year a little bit, just going with firing. Uh, his name is Dwayne, and I'm blanking on his last name, but the, the equipment manager, equipment manager. for 49 years. Yeah, like, they couldn't not, get, let him get to 50. Yeah, and like to, when something like that happens, like really, you guys? Like something sketchy about that. And 
just more and more seems to happening to these guys. Of course, we had Derek Dennis on the show and them not letting out him out of his contract when he clearly doesn't want to be there. So it's just a lot of small petty stuff. But like I said, I do applaud them for for just releasing Jacob Ruby and and I guess making an example out of him. But of course, the news came out that uh, Randy Ambrosi basically told all the CFL teams, you are banned from signing Jacob Ruby for the rest of the season. I have a bit of an issue with this. And, I'm actually uh, su- I'm surprised it went this far. I like you can suggest. I am surprised he flat out said you cannot sign him. Because all it would take is for, and we'll see what the PA does on, on a situation like this, but you cannot just go, you cannot sign this guy without merit. And I, and yes, and I, I've been trying to find a clean way to say this DJ flick around and find out, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yes, he lied. And yes, he misled and caused a lot of havoc for his team. And you would think there'd be a lot of teams that wouldn't bring him in just for that fact. Cause also unvaccinated players right now, no team wants to touch him unless, unless absolutely necessary. Well, at least so, you know with him that he's unvaxxed. So at least you know what you're getting. So the chances of another team signing him were probably slim as it is, but to actually put it out there that you're not allowed to sign him. Honestly, if I was a team, I would, I might even challenge that. All right, I'm going to see what happens here. But then again, the league can, deny his contract and then you got an entire legal issue on your hands and that's that's where i kind of have this issue and it's not so much a rant that i have but but i think it should be it shouldn't have to come from randy ambrose you would think that the teams would see this all happening and be like you know what we don't want that problem to happen to our team especially when you get to uh what is it september 20th and charter flights like you have to have you can't be unvaxxed on those so i'm really curious what's going to happen and and that was brought up to craig dickinson first day of practice here and he said well there are going to be some guys who just can't play they're not going to be able to travel and play with the team and their value to the team is less so (laughs) obviously not naming names of course because it's kind of being like hey guys like get your stupid shot like like hurry up and do it because we need you to go when we travel out to you know Hamilton or BC or wherever we're going. Like when you take those charter flights, you have to be able, like, I'm just going to throw out a position. I won't say a name. Right. But if, if you're starting quarterback, for example, and I'm being very broad here, I'm not suggesting that any sort of quarterback is, is a problem here, but just for example, if you're starting quarterback, couldn't travel. And you have a guy like Craig Dickinson saying that his value to the team is less. Like what kind of leadership does that have from your team, from your players? when you're making yourself and your team worse. I, and I've also been wondering because I know for a fact with the thunder, um, the thunder started their um, season in Winnipeg. And part of the rules about going to play in Winnipeg is we couldn't send anyone that was not vaxxed. Kick the crap out of the rifles too. Yes, they did. And they did it again. This is the second time when everyone could play at home. <laughs> so, but so I'm very curious on, I guess, is it because the CFL gets an exception, a government exception by the Manitoba? Because obviously there's players in this league that are not vaccinated. So how were they allowed to play in Winnipeg when a junior team couldn't get their players across the border unless they could prove a vaccination? It's got to be a money thing. Obviously, they're they're making more money than a junior team, clearly. But I, I 
curious if that's a thing. And we saw ex- exemptions made for the NHL and, and whatnot and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think sports are just kind of getting the getting the exception right now. But I just think this whole Jacob Ruby thing, banning him, that should be a team thing. That shouldn't come down from the league. Like there are things like, okay, Justin Cox and Jerome Messam with their issues. Okay, ban teams from signing them. Okay, sure, because they were charged with things. And I know that Jacob Ruby hasn't been charged with anything, but you're kind of making him out to be that way, CFL, by banning him from being signed. Like, this whole league is a league of second chances. How many guys have been charged with things in this league? There's a very high percentage of guys that have been charged with things, even like just misdemeanors, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But it is a league of second chances. And we've seen some amazing players, Corey Sheets, for example, come into this league and light it up and turn their lives around. And I think that's important. Okay, well, maybe this is an example of of Jacob Ruby, but to actually ban him, like that should not be mandated by the league. I would like to think that all teams would be smart enough right now in this COVID situation to just stay away from him. And I think most teams probably would. But again, in the CFL, talent kind of trumps all. But like it, it, I, I'd like to think that the teams would know better and there would be kind of almost like a gentleman's agreement to not sign this guy and just we'll deal with it next year. So I just think it's, I don't know, because when, when all the news came out with Dave Naylor and and the file are not providing proper documentation. And then that, that of course got refuted and, and whatnot, but it just seemed like it was a really weird situation. And it's like, okay, well, you, you didn't feel bad for him for getting cut by the Elks, but now I'm kind of feeling bad for him because the league's just totally blackballing him here. Like I said, you would think the league would suggest not outright ban the teams should be smart enough not to sign him at this moment in time. But then again, the writer, Chris Jones, tried to sign Khalif Mitchell and look at that tire fire, Greg Hardy uh, and Greg Hardy. Like it's yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, talent usually trumps common sense, but I, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be too many teams that are going to be tripping over themselves to sign Jacob Ruby at this moment in time. So it'll be really interesting what happens out of that. Cause I would think right off the bat that the the PA probably wouldn't defend him, but now they kind of have to in this whole banning him thing. So I'm really interested to see what the CF, CFL PA, Brian Ramsey and, uh, and Solomon Elamimian there do with this, because this is, I mean, Jacob Ruby's just one. How many other guys out there in the CFL have, I mean, obviously maybe not tested positive and brought that into the locker room, but lied about their vaccination status and it might become an issue. Like if I, I'd I hope guarantee that you Ruby's not more. the only one. Oh no, of course not. But he's the one right now. So, and, and Craig Dickinson said in, in his presser on Wednesday after uh, rider practice, this is a shot in the arm. This is a dose of reality for guys that, Hey, if you're not getting vaccinated, you're not going to play. And whether you agree that's right or it's wrong, doesn't really matter, but that's kind of where it is. And forcing them to get vaccinated without forcing them to get vaccinated. So again, it's all personal choice and everything. You have the choice to, you know, get cut or not get cut, I guess is, is kind of where it's at now, but I'm really interested, interested to see where this goes in the next couple of weeks, especially when I don't know how they're going to schedule, like you said, schedule that Elks Argos game that was missed last week, because you're going to have to move around at least three, four other games. And you got 
fans of that pay their tickets and want to travel to games and whatnot. Like that's just messy. So I'm curious to see what happens. Well, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feston of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Um, some big news out of Calgary anyway. Bo Levi Mitchell taken off the six-game list just a couple games after, uh, go, was it two games, right? That he was yep. Three weeks. on there with a broken leg. So to me, this says one thing. They're in panic mode because Jake Mayer has not looked bad. In fact, well, he started the, the game, what, 16 of 16 last week? He looked very, very good. And it wasn't just dink and dunk offense. He was pushing the ball downfield, too. Craig Dick or Dave Dickinson was calling such a great game for the Stabs last week that they didn't miss Bo Levi Mitchell. But they're sitting there at one and three now, basement in the West, tied with Edmonton. My theory on this is they're bringing Bo Levi Mitchell back so, they can, so he can practice. And that if they lose Labor Day Monday to Edmonton, full on panic mode, we got to get Bo here to start that rematch against Edmonton the following week. But is Bo Levi Mitchell on one leg still better than Meyer or Mayer? Sorry. I mean, if he's throwing it the way that he was in that BC game where he's not putting his, his like planting leg down, if he's thrown off his back foot all the time, no, he's not better. Like, I don't understand what the rush is. Like, these, I, I like, BC, like, same thing with BC rolling out um, uh, Riley, too. Riley's looking better now, but why are they rushing these guys out when all you're doing is basically gambling your future to for one or two maybe extra wins when the West is going to be fairly tight for that third spot anyway? So. I don't get it. Like so, so what? There might not be a crossover this year. Who cares? Well, it's the it's the sprint, not a marathon this year. Just with the the four less games in the CFL. Um, there are some uh, some news and notes out of uh, rider practice as well too. They're looking a lot healthier. They had Justin McKinnis practice. Um, a couple other guys that were out. Gary Peters. Yeah, like everyone on the everyone on the injury report today was basically full except for uh, Micah Johnson. Yeah, so obviously there was a bit of a concern there, but I don't think it's a real serious one. I think they're just kind of limiting his reps and just he's a vet. We know what we're getting out of Micah Johnson, so I wouldn't worry too much about having him as a full participant in practice, especially early on in the week when it's you know a, a longer week. Micah Johnson on one leg is still Micah Johnson. Like, he's still taking a double team. It doesn't matter. And the way that Garrett Marino is playing in the middle with him too. I mean, you're going to have to start double teaming him. And then you got Jonathan Woodard on the outside leading the league in sacks. He was the number two top performer of the, of the month for August, along with Cody Fajardo, who is number one. So, I mean, that D line is still looking pretty good. So I'm not too terribly worried about giving uh if, honestly, if, if he only comes or Micah Johnson, if he only participates in a walkthrough, I'm perfectly fine with that. Keep him healthy and let him ball out on game days and then give him another vet day for the first day of practice the following week and then slowly bring him along. Let him do a practice on, on the walkthrough day, which is an easy day anyway, and just have him ready for the games. And everyone's always talking about how little stats Micah has. No one expects it. You can't expect your uh, interior D lineman to have a ton of stats. 
Like they're basically there to plug the hole and eat up the double teams if you can get them. And you want your ends the ones with the with the flashy numbers. But Mike is doing his job and he's doing it well. There's a reason why Woodard is becoming a name in this league, and that's because of uh, Micah Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, let's move to our Piffles memories. Pick one game. Tell us what you remember from it. This week, we got uh, the 2013 West semifinal versus BC. Of course, we all oh. know that's the game that... Uh, oh. <laughs> course that's the game that darian durant basically put the team on his back willed them from behind in the fourth quarter beating bc and then obviously set them off to the gray cup um outside of being absolutely frozen that game greg what do you remember i remember darian going uh f this and i'm just gonna start running the ball now because he took that team on his back he was a man possessed and if it wasn't for his legs i don't know if they would have won that game offense wasn't good in the first half to you know first half of the third quarter as well too they just weren't moving the ball the defense was keeping them in it the defense was playing a very good game but they were still trailing and I just remember yeah like you said Darian just taking it over and and I don't know what the switch was if it was just him saying you know screw this let's do it my way and and making it work or or what but Whatever they did, I'm sure glad that they did it. And I remember his uh, his touchdown pass to Dressler um, at the near the it was in the fourth quarter to give them the lead. I think it was. Yeah. I was uh, right then when that happened. I was like, this defense is playing so damn well that I'm not worried about this game anymore. Because that first three quarters, I was worried about that game. Like, oh my god! Like, oh, I, yeah. I was I was not worried about Calgary the next week in the West final. My, I knew going into that semifinal, whoever won that game was going to the Grey Cup because Calgary was out without their starting two defensive tackles who both got injured in a meaningless last week game against BC. Yeah, that was, that was dumb Calgary. Starters. And we knew whoever was going to win that was going to run all over Calgary. And that's exactly what happened. The following week, Corey Sheets went off against them and they just could not stop the run. Um, but yeah, it was just, I was worried about that game against BC because BC was a very good team that year as well, even though they were the third place team. That was a good, good third place team. Yes, it was. But yeah, just uh, being worried about it. And then finally, once that touchdown, when they got the lead, I was like, there it is. That's it. Still got to be loud as all hell at Taylor Field there um, when the defense came back on the field. But yeah, that was just, and then once they won the game, I was like, that's it. We're going to Calgary. We're coming back home. Like they're coming back home. We knew that was going to happen. And sure enough, it did. I'll, uh, like I said, it was cold that night. I'll never forget the, like I, the people behind us where our season tickets were um, left. I want to say about half, and but they left with like full beers and they were frozen solid behind us. It was hilarious. It was, I got so many pictures of frozen beer cans because people just left their drinks because it was too cold. You didn't drink it fast enough. Your beer was gone because it was frozen solid. Imagine us complaining that our beer was too cold at Taylor Field. How often did that ever happen? Every time. I was going to say every time there's a playoff game, but that, that didn't happen that as much as it probably should have. <laughs> well, that was, uh, that was one of the greatest games at Taylor Field was uh, just that jubilation after, I think. It wasn't so much the game itself, but it was just the Darian taking the team over and willing it to victory. And one guy, we've how many times have we seen 
one guy on the team absolutely take over a game. It doesn't happen that much in football as it does in other sports, but Darian did it, and that was the difference that whole season. Like I said, he was a man possessed, and that's and that's the way Cody seems like he's running this year too. It, if he doesn't see it, he just he just you can just see it in his eyes. He's like, I'm going to go get that first down, and he goes for it. So, you know, I was actually I was actually thinking about something like that on my walk with uh, my dog Winston today. Was you know what I really really like about Cody Fajardo? And of course, I mean, one, it's hard not to like the guy. I mean, he says all the right things. He does the right things. You hear this guy talk, and you're like, I love this guy. And you see him put his heart out there on the field. You can see that he's going out there and giving it his all. But what I think the, what separates him and it's starting to really show and, and elevate him into from a good quarterback to a great quarterback in the CFL is that he's not determined to be the best. He's determined to win. And I think that's what separates them because you see guys out going out there and obviously everybody's given their all, right? That's just what pro football is. But you can see guys that are there to prove that they're the best. You can tell that there's guys going out there to try and be the best. And sometimes it, it I don't want to say it hinders a team, but it, it's almost like there's a little minor distraction from the main goal, which is winning. You try to do too much, right? And then sometimes that can hurt your team. But I don't think he's trying to do too much. I think he's doing the right things at the right times. And what I'm seeing out of Cody Fajardo is just that he has this determination and this will to win. All he wants to do is win. And it doesn't matter if he has the stats or not for it. And I think that's what impresses me the most about him. I used to have this debate all the time, as you can see, and I know it's a podcast behind me. I got my picture of uh, Tom Brady. Terrific Tom. And of course, there's always the debate, Peyton Manning, which you're a Broncos fan, or Tom Brady. And I used to go like this. Tom, uh, Tom cared more about winning than he did his own individual stats. And I'm not saying Peyton Manning didn't want to win games. Of course he did. He wanted to win Super Bowls. But Tom sacrificed both money and his own personal stats to ensure that he won because that that's was his legacy. He wanted a legacy of winning and Super Bowls. And like I said, I'm not saying Peyton Manning didn't, but Peyton Manning had way more individual stats than Tom Brady ever had. But at the end of the day, Brady's in the in the conversation for goat status because of all the Super Bowls he's won, and he's and moving to Tampa Bay and winning another one just added to it. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to debate who the more talented quarterback of the two is. Obviously, it was Peyton Manning, but if you ask, I mean, as a Broncos fan, you ask me, you have one drive to win you a game, game's tied, or you're down by four points, you need a touchdown. Who are you going to pick? I'm taking Tom Brady every single time because he has shown that. I mean, yes, having good defenses has uh, has been a benefit to Tom Brady when you look at Super Bowls instead of Peyton Manning, but that's that sacrifice part that you're bringing up. Like, you look at those best Patriots teams, Deion Branch was their best receiver. Or like a really old Troy Brown. Like, I mean, these aren't... And, and, and the, as much as Tom Brady... Brady- as much as Tom Brady won, and as much as he was always in the conversation of best quarterback in the league, he was never in the top 10 paid because he knew he needed the, the pay other players around him. And, and I see those same kind of traits bringing us back to the CFL in Cody Fajardo is that I think he would be willing to take those pay cuts. I think he would be willing to sacrifice some of the offensive stats. If, hey, if that makes our defense better and that that's going to make us win games, if we only need to score you know, 18 points to win a game like the Patriots did back in their dynasty days where they had the, that elite defense. 
then that's what he would do. And I love that from him. And again, not saying that, you know, Peyton Manning wouldn't do that because absolutely he would, but it's just, you've seen that so often from Tom Brady and now you're starting to see it with Cody Fajardo here in Saskatchewan. And it's, it's almost like the riders just caught lightning in the bottle. They got the right guy at the right time with the right team with Cody Fajardo. And he's just starting to take off. And now, like I knew he, we knew he was a good quarterback last year. And now we're starting to see that jump to elite. Cause I mean, last year. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much every quarterback in the CFL got hurt except for Cody Fajardo. Um, but you look at his stats, it was an average season over 17 games or 16 games, whatever he ended up playing. It's 16 and a half, but oh, 16 and a third, I guess. And you count that Montreal game, but you know, <laughs> you're, you're starting to see that he's going to do absolutely anything it takes to win. Like he was the top performer of the, of the month of August. He's not leading the league in touchdowns. He's not leading the league in, in, uh, in yards. And I don't think, he will if every quarterback is healthy and that's not a bad thing that's not a slight on him at all it's just going to show that he's going to do whatever it takes to win and you look at the team that is being built here like this year you're right it's a sprint we don't we don't know what's going to happen but look at the young receivers that they've put in place especially those canadians like this team in two three years even next year when we're hosting the great cup it is going to be probably one of the favorites to win the West for a long time if they can keep the defense intact. And that's actually a good uh, segue into our enemy preview, Riders against Bombers for Labor Day, because I see a lot of similarities in that Grey Cup champion Bombers with these Riders. I mean, you're getting a quarterback who's hot at the right moment, making the right plays, the right throws, and you got a defense that's playing fantastic. This Riders defense has been phenomenal this season so far obviously leading the league in, in sacks and it's not even close uh, at turnovers. They're just, the defense is fantastic. And this is what we saw out of the bombers last year. This game is going to be fantastic when both teams are good. Like we saw in 2007, like we saw 2019, they were thrilling games. They came down to the very, very end. And I expect the same exact thing this upcoming week, um, especially with the bombers getting Andrew Harris back. He played last week, of course, and uh, now he's back to full strength. And did they oh, ever he test his full strength already? Did they did they test him for piss and vinegar? Because I heard he was full of that last week. I, so. I know I I know I checked the uh, banned substance list for vinegar. I could not find it. Uh, but hopefully uh, the we can uh, we can get the results back uh, soon. But uh, no, this game is going to be a preview of the West Final. I don't see besides one of these teams slipping on a banana peel, how they will not end up one, two in the West. Uh, they are by far the best two teams in this league. And I'm excited for it. And it's always a tough place for Winnipeg to win, especially on Labor Day. I think I can count on one hand, how many times or not even one hand, how many times they've won Labor Day uh, in well, my like lifetime. 14 mm-hmm. of the last 15 or 16 of the last 17, something like that have been, uh, yeah. been rider wins. So it's, it's almost it's remember remember whopper of a win night that they used to have way back in the day, guaranteed win night. That's pretty much what this is. Even when the riders were tire fires, they found a way to pull it out. Like Rocky Butler became a urban legend because of Labor Day. 19 years ago today, when we record this podcast, September 1st, 2002, <laughs> Rocky Butler completing what? 
nine throws or whatever, 13 throws, whatever he had that game. It was but three yeah. rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Like it was just like Labor Day was always, it didn't matter how good or bad the riders were. You had to go to Labor Day just because they were going to win. It was going to be a party and you could champ ballsy sucks until your, your voice went hoarse. I'm going to probably say that every every pod this year if I have to. <laughs> it's kind of your thing now. It um, is. I, I can't make fun of Kavis Reed anymore. I need something new. Oh, speaking of Kavis Reed, the consequences from Edmonton this week were just incredible. Um, Zach Caleros, he's only lost once as a bomber. I know it's only been like seven or eight games now, but seven and one as the bomber starter. Are you seeing the same Zach Caleros that we saw in 2015 where he was starting to become that MOP candidate? He's the Zach Caleros that we wanted. I don't know if that's because of scheme or he just wasn't 100% when he was here, but he's definitely found something in Winnipeg that's working for him. Uh, that said, he's getting a second loss this week. So. I'm actually really happy for Zach Claros and that he got us got a spot. So am I. Completely, I'm happy for him. He's a, uh, the uh, time that we talked to him, he was a great guy and he great athlete. And I wanted him here when we signed him. Like there was no one. Like I was very excited when we signed Zach Claros. I was hoping we got the 2015 Claros, but we didn't. But yeah, I, I don't think he's gonna ever reach that 2015 status again. And I don't think he needs to, especially when you have a team like Winnipeg that has you know a great running game. You have I mean, even their backup who played in the first couple of weeks, uh, Brady Oliveira, who uh, had some great games. Like, I mean, this offense is good. They have Darvin Adams back, which made a huge, huge difference. They're put, be able to push the ball a little bit more downfield with him in the lineup. And that defense, obviously, Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson. Like, I mean, you got those two guys on your team. You're going to have a good defense, regardless of who else you have on that team. But uh I mean, like, like that's a good team and it's a good fit for them. So I am happy for them. Unfortunately, it's with a division rival. And of course it has to be the Bombers, but, uh, I, but I, even, I'm happy to see him do that well. And I, I hope he does well, just not this week or next week. But honestly, his receivers are doing him no favors. There was a lot of drops that last game. And there's a reason why they went out and signed Naaman Roosevelt because the guys they have just weren't getting it done because they've got butterfingers. I knew I forgot about something, and thank you for bringing that up. Of course, the Bombers signing Naaman Roosevelt earlier this week. He's actually eligible to play. He can't practice just yet with the quarantine rules or whatever. He was unable to practice the first day or two of practice, but he can play this week if they wanted against the Riders. Do you see him play? One, do you see him playing this week? Two, is it that kind of Weston Dressler Remember his first game back at Mosaic Stadium when they opened the stadium and, and it, he ended up having like almost 200 yards and two long touchdowns? Unless they're going to get him just to run fly routes or quick hooks, I don't know how much of the playbook he's going to be able to jam in there and what the uh, chemistry will look like with um, Zach on such short such a short window. You're definitely going to see him bounce ball, but to throw him out there at New Mosaic, yes – It'd be a great story. I just, I don't know how you can, like you might want him on the bench and you might just throw him out there if a guy gets hurt, but I don't see him actually being a full part of the offense. Yeah. I think he'll be, uh, I think he'll be their health, healthy scratch um, is probably the best way to do it. Cause he can still be on the bench that way. He's just not dressed and, and he can still provide 
whole bunch of info. I mean, he went up against this defense every single day in practice in 2019. So he knows what this defense is about with Jason Shivers at the helm. So he knows that he knows this stadium and whatnot. And I mean, it's not like the bombers have outside of labor day. They don't seem to ever lose in this stadium. So, uh, I don't know. I just, it, it's a good fit for him where he doesn't have to be that number one receiver. Cause I don't, I think those days are, are past him, but he's a very solid number two option, number three option in that offense. And that'll be a good fit down the road. Then again, the bombers are missing Nick Dembski for this game by sounds of it. So yeah, he didn't practice the first day and, and uh, it was Bob Irving of CJOB saying that he's highly unlikely unlikely to play. And this is a guy who's had some pretty big games against the Riders, especially on Labor Day as well, too. So that'll be uh, a huge loss for, for Winnipeg. But it's Labor Day. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. They can be all full health. They're still, still not going to win because that's tradition. Well, one more thing, I guess, before we go here this week here on the Pipples Podcast. And we got get, got to get to our Pick'em, where, as we've said for the last three weeks, this is the place where you come to find out who not to put your money on and bet the complete opposite of what we pick. Unless it's the riders and we've been right every time. Yes. So let's get right to Montreal at Ottawa on Friday. Before we actually pick for that, let me just say, I'm so happy now that we do have Ottawa back in the league and we have the nine teams that this is BC's bye week because forcing that BC versus Montreal or that BC versus Ottawa Labor Day, Thursday or Friday game, like throwaway game. Like, man, that that did nothing for anybody. Nobody cared. You got Montreal against Ottawa. Build that rivalry across the, the St. Lawrence River. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. BC and Montreal made sense. They're geographic rivals. You know, you got you got Pot and St. Rue St. Catherine. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> there's got to be a rivalry there somewhere. I don't know. Gerard and St. Catherine. Yeah, there we go. Those are some nice, uh, nice uh, streets here in Canada. <laughs> no, but Mon- having Montreal and Ottawa, I think it makes a, a big difference, at least for the Labor Day week, of course, with bye weeks and whatnot, switching teams next week. That's not the rematch in, in the, I guess we call it the Labor Day rematch, but the Banjo Bowl week. Um, but Montreal at Ottawa. I Ottawa's lucky they won a game this year. And so Montreal's not looking great either, but I will take Montreal over Ottawa anytime. I'm hoping Ottawa didn't buy their logs in bulk because they're only going to need one this year. Ottawa can't score a touchdown on offense. That's their problem. If you can't score, and I mean, we could talk about Matt Nichols for a second. He's clearly not healthy. And this is a Paul Apolise-led team that he thought he could bring his old quarterback in from Winnipeg with Matt Nichols and get rid of Nick Arbuckle and look what Nick Arbuckle did or is doing in Toronto. Like they, they, right now, Toronto looks like the class of the East. So that just screams mistake to me right there. I would have gone with, I think, I think it's all the ink on uh, on Nichols arms is weighing him down. Like when did he get the full sleeves? Ah, Both arms full sleeves. I'm like that Ottawa game here. I was like, what? When did he get those? <laughs> uh, yeah, Montreal. And I think it'll be a little bit closer than we think just because Montreal's offense hasn't really looked all that good this year, but Montreal still wins that. Uh, we all know Sunday's game, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. That's a guaranteed rider victory there. Pro- probable win night again. Uh, Toronto at Hamilton. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. This is the one uh, we, of course, put out our uh, picks earlier today on pimplespodcast.com. 
Um, this is the only one we split on the three of us, of course. Um, I, and I'm sure I'm going to get blasted by Thai cat fans. Uh, I, they've done nothing for me to think they're going to be Toronto. Toronto looks way better than they do right now, but it is a Hamilton home game, but I think Toronto's still going to win. Hamilton home game for Labor Day, I think is, uh, that's going to be the X factor. And Dane Evans, he looked a lot better than Jeremiah, Jeremiah Mazzoli has this season. And as long as they're riding with Dane Evans right now, Hamilton looks like the team that got, will look like the team that got to the Grey Cup in 2019. So for that reason, I'm taking Hamilton. And the and final Steve, And Steve took uh, Toronto. So. Steve took Toronto, yep. And Oh, so, uh, yeah. So if we lose money, it's, it's Steve's fault. Yep, exactly. And uh, Edmonton at Calgary in the final game on Monday. I've wanted to say Edmonton in this, just that time off and who knows what this team is going to show up as. But now that Jimmy, Jamie Elizondo, their head coach, saying that there's still some guys that are, you know, suffering from COVID and, and the, the effects from it and haven't got out of quarantine. I know they're going up against a backup quarterback here with Jake Mayer, but I don't see how I, Edmonton can win this. I've never been more excited to see an Edmonton injury report. because coming out the the names the two names i definitely heard that weren't at practice day were shy ross and darrell walker so who else out of those 14 still cannot go so i'm very interested to see what their injury report looks like tomorrow so you're taking calgary i assume i am definitely taking calgary I think Calgary's defense has been played pretty well all season long. And if Jake Mayer just keeps playing like he did that, at least that first half last week, they'll be, they'll be perfectly fine. I hate saying that because it's nice seeing them at the very bottom at one and three. Yeah. But we all knew Edmonton was going to be a tire fire even before the COVID situation. So <laughs> I, I had them in the great cup. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Everyone, but you knew Edmonton was going to be a tire fire. Like I said, but- bet against everything I say. But, but no, it's Calgary is going to be fighting this year for third in the West. Like they're finally taking that slide that we have called for every year forever. For like 10 years now. Yeah. It's got to happen sometime. And well, it looks like it's now, but Labor Day weekend, it'll be a blast. You know, the bomber fans come in and, uh, and having a blast at a sold out mosaic stadium. And uh, it should be uh, it's probably going to be the last sold out game of the year anyway. So yeah, before uh, vaccine, we didn't even talk about the va- uh, the vaccine man- mandate coming in. Do we want to get into that? Because, I mean, I think it was just, it, you're going to see that everywhere in sports. It, that's the way things are trending. That's the way things have started to happen. You're just going to see that. It's just. My 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 only concern is they can barely scan tickets now with the new system. How are they going to do that? Check vaccination records and IDs at the same time without causing a giant delay. Home opener. I literally was coming up through. They were trying to scan my ticket. The the supervisor came over to the ticket scanner and goes, just visually check, let them all in. So it's, I, I don't know how they're going to actually be able to get this ready in what, two weeks, three weeks? In uh, yeah, 16 days, the, uh, the game against Toronto in September. That's why I found it really interesting when they put in their release targeted targeted date of September 17th, because after that, of course, there's only two more home games, one in October against Calgary and one in November against Edmonton. So 
with only uh, with only two more home games after that, I don't think it's actually going to get into place for the 17th. I feel like they're going to have to push that just because they may not have the infrastructure in to uh, to be able to to figure that out. And like, so they're talking about supposedly Saskatchewan government's working on QR codes. So how are they going to scan that? And how is the how are the riders going to have the infrastructure to scan those QR codes to verify them? Like, there, there's no way they're, they're going to be ready for the 17th. I just don't see it. Especially when there's no other event that they can kind of test it on before then. Uh, especially if you know you have the the Regina Pats, Saskatoon Blades. I know they have preseason games coming up, and the SJHL. Um, I think is the 24th, but there's nothing else before then to even test it on. So you're going to test it on a, you know, 25,000 people showing up. Well, it, it is the, it is the lights out game. So it's going to be very popular. You're shutting off the lights. Yeah. Turn off the lights. Just let whoever in. That's probably it, it's, what's going to end uh, up happening. You know, well, that's how they used to do the old wrestling matches when they're unsanctioned. You shut off the lights and turn them back on. And that's when you know the show was over and the, the fight began. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, I mean, it was the right decision. Of course, of course it came down to them in Edmonton and uh, Edmonton announced on the Sunday that they were going to make an announcement on Monday regarding this at 10 AM. And that's when the riders were like, no, 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 no. We're going to announce it. Their pre- press release came out at nine 59 saying, yeah, we're making this change. To make it look like they were not the last team, which- and I love the fact that people, there's reporters out there. The writers and the Elks coordinate this. Do not make the other one look bad. No, 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 no. If they were, the writers would have went out at ten o'clock. Yeah, they made sure to go out a minute early. Yep, it was strategic so that they were not the last. They didn't want to be burdened with that. But uh, it, I mean, at this point, it doesn't even matter. All the CFL teams have something in place, and we knew that's what was going to happen. So it's good that they. They do have the plan there and uh, we'll see how it all works out. Like you said, it could be just an absolute gong show. And that's why I don't think it's actually going to happen on the 17th, but that's, you know, completely different thing. But I think that's going to do it this week here on the Piffles podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles pod. If you see us at the game, Labor Day, come say hi. And uh, I don't think Steve will be there. I think he said he sold his tickets for that. He just, did sell uh, his tickets. Yeah, yeah he sold so. tickets for that. Um, but I, he something tells me he might show up to the tailgate. I just have this weird feeling that he'll show up for beer. <laughs> he, 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 will, he will not be able to uh, withhold himself back on that one. No. Um, but anyway, check us out on Twitter at PifflesPod. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash PifflesPodcast and the website PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is bought, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elfin's Blizzard. New blizzards. Yeah. Ooh, pumpkin pumpkin pie. pies out. Pumpkin yep. pie, pecan pie, salted uh, toffee fudge, chocolate covered strawberry, and I know I'm missing something. Did you mention but either way? Pump, pie pumpkin pie blizzards are out. So yep. up yours, Steve. <laughs> and I just had a couple pumpkin spice frappuccinos the last couple of days, and they have been absolutely wonderful. I've been doing I've been doing the apple crisp uh, with it, but I've been buying something pumpkin with it every time, either the scone or the muffin. So. <laughs> Suck it, Steve. Yeah. Piffles podcast is brought to you by, like I said, our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina, and of course, special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Steve, I saw that you had a a Churchill Brewing Company uh, lawnmower. 
there. I have the uh, blonde lager. Did you just call me Steve? I think I did actually, and I apologize. Uh, how many? How many of those have you had? Apparently, not enough. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I would say too many, but uh, no, that's not too yes, many. The, the lawnmower is my new go-to. It is very good, and it is delightfully crisp and refreshing, as properly advertised on the can. Absolutely. So check them out as well. Churchill Brewing Company. Piffles Podcast is a part of the CFP and the Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Have a great Labor Day, everybody, and a great long weekend. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The ghost behind your-